what's going on, ladies and gentlemen, and thank you for tuning in to this edition of The Drop-In. I have one of the most amazing people I have met. I mean, I guess we've been friends a couple of years, but the whole, like, the way the world was, we we're going to do a charity event, and then it had to get postponed for, like, two years. So we only got to meet face-to-face very recently, and I asked Mike, I said, why don't you come on the show, dude? Your story, amazing. The things you've seen, amazing. Come and let's talk about it on the drop-in. So I have Mike Ward here today for your viewing and listening pleasure, but I want to thank you guys for taking your time to, to spend with us. You, you can't get it back, and so we're going to give you some quality content today to inspire you to get off the couch and make life happen. This isn't a dress rehearsal. We get one shot at life, one shot, and it's our choice to make it what we want it to be. And the guests that come to the Better Rate Mortgage Studios on the drop-in, they are bringing you stories to inspire you to get off the couch and make life happen. But I have to tell you this funny joke back here. If you're familiar with the uh, the movie Spinal Tap, uh, they, they had this show and they, they wanted Stonehenge and it was supposed to be like 11 feet high and it was 11 inches high. Well, we got this backdrop of the drop-in and it was supposed to fit in one of these spots here on the side of the Better Rate Mortgage Studios uh, sign here. And uh, it's huge. So it'll end up hanging in my basement or at another location. But for now, I thought it was funny because it reminded me of Spinal Tap on the opposite end. So anyway, that's why that's sitting here. We will have it taken care of very soon. But thank you once again. And with no more out of my trap, I want to introduce you to my friend Mike Ward. Mike, thanks so much for coming down here and visiting with us. Oh, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, how's Thanks it- for having me. It was... It was so great to finally meet you, because we got introduced by our buddy Jay yep. Adams, and he hooked he hooked us up so that you were going to play sled hockey at our event, which was going to be in March twenty third, twenty twenty. We were one week away, and we got shut down. At, you know, rightly so, uh, but you know, and then we just couldn't do it. We couldn't do it, and then finally we got it scheduled. And we just played uh, on March 19th, and you were part of it. You got out there in a sled, worked your ass off, right? It was so much fun. your arms and your your core, right? Yeah. It's like crazy how much work it is. I was so impressed by the skills of the youngsters that were playing on our team. Right. Uh, The one young lady had a hat trick. uh, Yeah. Jenna. Yeah. Jenna is awesome. I've known Jenna for quite some time. Uh, for about five years, I was running the youth um, Michigan Youth Sled Hockey Program. And then that program kind of splintered due to different factors. And now the Metro Detroit group has taken up that group, and they've really grown it. They've really grown it. They've got them in tournaments now. They're playing games. They're, they're really, really moving them forward. There's a really great group out of Grand Rapids, the Grand Rapids Sled Wings. They're huge. They've got like 50 kids, but they're totally sponsored 100%. Oh, cool. Every bit of their equipment, all their gear, everything by Mary Freebed uh, mm-hmm. Hospital over there. And then there's the Michigan Sled Dogs, uh, which is an adult team. And what, what the goal is over here is to have the, the, the two sled teams, the, the kids and the sled dogs, Kind of, you know, when the kids get old enough to play with the sled dogs, they they move up. You know, that's the goal. So we hope that happens. Yeah, that's cool. The sled wings, that is a great name. Oh, yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> that is a you know, great they name. Play, they play where the, the Griffins do, you know. 
know, so they, you know they get they get access to that as well and Bill Mando Arena. So they they're a really good group over there. They've they've participated in our event a couple times, but they had a tournament they hosted that same weekend. So uh, you know you got a lot of moving parts when you try and put on a charity event like that. You got the Red Wing alumni. You've got us. You've got the the pucksters and the sledsters. Those are those are the able-bodied athletes right. who come on and play. And then the, all of those sled kids are. Every one of them has a disability of some level or another. Uh, you know, it's a physical disability that affects their generally affects their lower lower half. Cool. Wow. You do amazing stuff. We're going to get into all that later in the interview. But I have to ask you, you know, you sent over the bio. I'm looking through it. Uh, and, and your nickname is Psycho. I, I got to know. Psycho I, Ward. Psycho Ward. Okay. Uh, okay where does that so, come from? So I think I was in uh, college. I think I was, in, I was studying in graphic design. And I have a horrible Irish temper. Uh, you know, from years of playing hockey and fighting with my uh, brothers and sisters, I call them the seventh out of eight kids in a big Irish Catholic family with big Irish tempers. And, uh, and I remember one day I, I slammed something because I, I was pissed about something in the, in the art class, and I slammed this paper cutter, and my instructor, Jack Hennessy, goes, oh, you're a real psycho ward. And it stuck. It stuck. And, uh, you know, then he started making jokes. I mean, you have kids, they'll be maternity ward. And, you know, and, and it was just like it went on and on. So that kind of stuck. And, and when I started writing, uh, when I started doing freelance work, when I was, uh, I, I went to school for graphic design and advertising. But I had some freelance side work, and I would, I, I would call it psychographics. And then... Um, when I started writing music, it, they became Psycho Songs was my uh, copyright, and I didn't really intend on using it as a as a you know sort of stage name. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I released my first album onto iTunes and Spotify, there's a way too many Mike Wards. There's it's a just a really common name. And so in order to basically try and get it quickly separated, I added Psycho Songs. So it's Mike Ward's Psycho Songs on Spotify and iTunes and Amazon and all that just because it was it made it easier for people to find me. Right, right. Now that's and, and it's a good story. Yeah. And, you know, when I was in the advertising business, I did have a – I had a horrible temper. I punched – I used – I was a wall puncher. And I would get pissed, and I would punch these walls that were like, you know, they were sheetrock. So it, they really didn't, it really <laughs> didn't, uh, it wasn't punishing until one day I accidentally punched uh, a, a, a door that was uh, solid. solid, and I broke my knuckle right here. And that that sort of put an end to the, the wall punching. When I, I, at that point, I had, I was working at Donor, I left for a couple of years and went to Denver. When I came back from Denver, they had actually put a heavy bag in my office. That's funny. So that, so that I had an outlet to punch. That's. <laughs> they knew. Uh, yeah, I don't know if I'd take that as a compliment, but at yeah. least they understood where you were coming you know, from. It, it's a, 
it's one of those businesses that's, you know, every you're always on the edge. You're mm-hmm. always at the end of your deadline. You're always working late. You're always right on the edge of everything. And you feel like, you know, this yeah. most of the time. And I will say my that was my first six and a half years in the business. They were all like that. I was working 80 hours a week, and it was crazy. And I moved to Denver for a couple of years, and it was really, for part of that, it was partly because of that. I was so burned out. And I went to Denver, realized that, wow, you know, you can still do this business, and you can find things to do and have a life. And so when I came back, it, you know, I still put in a lot of hours, but I, I guess I had learned that, you know, if I could leave for two and a half years, I could certainly leave to go to dinner, mm-hmm. you know. And, and everything still ran smoothly. Yep. So, and I've been out of the business now for um, since 2017, and it's great. Yeah. <laughs> Before we go too much further, see if you can pull that mic in a little bit towards you. Okay. Just to make sure we capture it all. Okay. So pull it yeah, in there here. We go. Okay. Yeah, That's I think I better. bumped it when I was playing the guitar. Yeah, we're gonna get to that too. Okay. But all uh, right. you know. When you were coming up through high school and college and all that kind of stuff, I, I like to ask the guests, what, what kind of person were you? Because we get you now, after you've been through X amount of years of life. Yeah. What kind of person were you in high school? Were you the popular kid? Were you a kid in the corner? Were you always studying? I wasn't always studying, that's for sure. Uh, you know, I studied enough. My, uh, I, like I said, I'm, I'm the seventh out of eight, so I kind of had this view where I got to see different parts of my family. I had an older, my oldest brother was an artist, is an artist. He's still a sculptor down in Atlanta. So I saw that creative side. My sister, Kathy, she was wanted to be in fashion design, and I saw her. My sister, Margaret, was really academic, studied poetry, studied writing, was a teacher. Um, and then my brothers, Tom and Chris, they were like, they were they were in athletics and they were they there was a lot of partying going on in at that time <laughs> in those guys but they were you know they they went in different directions my brother Tom went into accounting my brother Chris he became a millwright and a pipe fitter my brother Pat the younger went to dentistry i was like i was drawn to, drawn to the creative arts but i couldn't quite figure out you know for me the scariest thing was like a blank canvas. I wasn't uh, like my brother Jack who can just paint or draw or, you know, sculpt out of nothing. I realized I needed an assignment. I needed kind of, and so for me, advertising in the, the business side of creative became a, a really good fit. And, uh, but I think, you know, I was sort of like one of those kids that I I was involved in politics. I worked for George McGovern's campaign in 1972. I, I, I was involved in a lot of school politics. From the time I was a freshman, I was on student council and president of class or, or class officer. And I was like, we were always big into like rewriting the student constitution or we were, you know, because... You know, you're talking 1970, 68 when I entered high school, 70, 72. So, you know, you've got the SDS, you've got 
the you know Port Huron was big because that's where the Students for a Democratic Society, Tom Hayden, they they wrote the Port Huron papers there. You know, so they were there was there was certain side of me that I think wanted to be more radical than I really was. <laughs> I was sort of safe, but I, wa- I, I, I was sort of like, I wasn't hippie enough to be a hippie. I wasn't quite radical enough for that. But I knew that I didn't want to be like, I knew I didn't want to be like uh, a square peg either. You know, I, I, I liked to party. I liked to, you know, when, when I was a my mom's gone, my dad's gone, so I can tell these stories. But you know, when I was like, when I was like, fourteen and fifteen, I'd borrow, I'd take my brother's draft card, and go to Sarnia, and we'd go to this, uh, we'd go to this bar, the Saint Clair Inn, and we'd sit in the back room with all the guys and drink twenty-five cent beers, and uh, you know, we thought we were hot shit. Well, and and being in Michigan, you know. Um, <laughs> For th- for those of you from around the world and, and here in the Metro Detroit area and up in Port Huron, we're twenty minutes from Canada. Oh yeah, and, and the laws were different. Where easy, even uh, easy to get across. Yeah, at that time oh, we yeah. could just go back and forth, easy. almost just like going to Ohio. It didn't really matter. No. And uh, when the drinking age was twenty one, Canada was nineteen. You know, yeah. and and so. And then when I when I turned eighteen, so I turned eighteen in May of of seventy two. The law changed in February of seventy-two to eighteen. Oh yeah, I did. So, you know, here we are, seniors in high school, and from my birthday to the end of the semester, I don't think I ever went back to lunch after lunch. <laughs> we we would go buy beer, we'd go find a field, we'd play some ball, we'd do something, but we'd never go back to class after after we went to lunch. That's funny. And I'm sure a lot of a lot of your a lot of people at that time it was oh, probably yeah. the same thing. Oh man! And, and so, as you move uh, in into your next part of your educational history, going into college, did you know you wanted to be into advertising? I don't think I did. I I I kind of, I really kind of fell into it because I went to I ended up going to the community college in Port Huron. Um, Which one? Uh, St. Clair County Community College. Which is a beautiful campus. I've Great done a few campus. events there, yep. right on the water, yep. the big boats. It's It doesn't look like a community college. No, it's great. It's great. And, I mean, my buddy and I, uh, we, we signed up for this two-year advertising program in which you, you ended up with 63 credits when you were done, and 61 of them would transfer directly to the University of Michigan. Oh, and nice. deal worked out. School of Art, no, you know, direct one-to-one credits. So I went through that, and these the two guys who ran it, they just opened up our world. They they'd have us travel to Toronto, to Chicago, to New York, taking pictures, studying architecture, studying design. We'd go to stores, we'd go all these different places, and and we were studying advertising, but we were really studying. The world and culture. And you culture. were getting such yep. a what a great experience. It was amazing, and so at the end of two years, I had a two year degree, um, but I wasn't I wasn't sure still that that's what I wanted to do. So, I uh, my brother, you know, he was a sculptor, and he said, "Well, maybe you should, you know, try try, you know, try more of an art school." 
for your next, because my buddy went on to Michigan. He stayed in the advertising area. I went to Siena Heights College where my art, uh, my high school art teacher went. And um, so I got there. First semester, I'm taking painting, and I'm taking drawing, and I'm like going, I'm like a month into it, and I'm going, this was a horrible mistake. <laughs> so I, I immediately flexed my schedule for the next semester and took creative writing, graphic design, and photography, and then a couple other classes, and realized that, okay, I had my sights set to then transfer to Michigan. But something happened that I had an opportunity with a friend of mine to move a buddy to California. We drove a, a U-Haul truck to California to Marina Del Rey. They dropped us off. They gave us a plane ticket to come back. I cashed the plane ticket in, and I went to visit my buddy in San Diego and stayed. Tough to leave with that yeah. weather, oh, that yeah. Southern California oh, yeah. weather. And he let me, he put me up for a month, and then I found a place. And I had a roommate, and I stayed there for a year, and I was playing in bars. I was a short order cook. I was, a lot of the, the jobs that I have in the song career advice were, were jobs that I had. Because I realized, uh, you know, I was going to try and get a job with a two-year degree in mm -hmm. the, the, the work that I had. And I realized pretty quickly that wasn't going to happen. It wasn't, it, I wasn't going to get a good job. I was, I had, you know, one job I had was uh, for a sign company. They thought I was going to be doing drafting, like drafting their, their signs, their physical signs. Like I'm actually like going, fabricating yeah. yourself. And I'm like going, I don't know how to do that. And so by, by week one, I was, uh, after week one, they were asking me to go get coffee. By week two, they were saying, we're going to send you out to dig sign hole posts. <laughs> and week before Thanksgiving, I got fired. And so I went back to my short order cook point. And at that point, I, I called my dad. And he said, well, he said, look, if you can get into Michigan, uh, he said, I'll help you out. And so I sent my work, and I got in. So I ended up, I stayed in California till May to earn enough money to get back. And then I came back to Michigan, and in 76, I went to the University of Michigan for my last two years. And that was life-changing, because that, that really put me on the track to understand what I needed to do. Right. I was you know, it doesn't sound like much. I was two years older than most of the students I was at Michigan with at this point. But it was a big two years. Mm -hmm. And so I, I, just, I just lived in the School of Art. I lived and breathed. I just busted it completely for, for that two years. And then it set me up to then bust it in the, in the real world when I got, up, got to Delaware. Right on. Well, you, you know, you um, <coughs> mentioned that you're, you're retired. And you're a very busy man, but I, 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 I want to know when was the first time you touched a guitar? So we had, uh, I, you know, I should have brought my, the guitar, the other guitar, because the guitar I have at home is was a guitar that my mom gave my dad. It's a Gibson LG2, and she gave it to him in 1947. 
And he didn't really want to play it because he was a dentist, and he didn't want to get calluses on the tips of oh, his okay. fingers, so he didn't really play it. I played it. My brother, I think my brother Tom played a little bit. My brother Pat plays really well. Um, so we always had the guitar in the house. I didn't take lessons, though. <laughs> I had taken... My mom had this thing about everybody should have play a, play an instrument, you know. So she had a she, we had a piano in the house, but I didn't really love the piano. I decided I was going to try the clarinet, and that that was horrible. That was excruciating. So I did when I was like thirteen. I took guitar lessons for about a year, and then I stopped. I wasn't a very good student. I really wasn't. And uh, but then after high school. Really good friend, who we, we had a duo, and he played guitar, and we sang together. And um, the day after graduation, he said, "Hey, I, I'm getting married. I'm, I got to get a job. I'm, I'm done. You know, with this." So for me, I was, I was like, "Well, I either learn to play, or I stop singing." And I really like to sing. I'm. That's my. My background as a singer from the time I was eight or nine in choirs and singing as a cantor in church. And I was a cantor until I was about 20. And I was in church choirs until I was about 40. And uh, so that, I was a singer first, and then I learned to play guitar well enough to accompany myself. And I think that's incredible. You know, I've been a drummer 30 years. And occasionally yeah. I'll try to drum and sing. You know, I like David Grohl and all that yeah, kind of yeah. stuff. But, uh, I mean, playing a guitar and singing. You know, you have both hands doing totally different things and singing a melody that may not be going along with the, the melody right. you're playing. Uh, that had to be a challenge. It is. I, I will say, I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm, you know, I'm a passable guitar player. I'm, I, you know, I make no bones about it. Uh, I've improved a lot over the last few years because I play a lot more, and I've I've tried to, you know, take online tutorials to learn, learn little things here and there. Um, but uh, you know, it's funny. I. I, I don't do well when I'm just playing. If I'm playing and singing and I understand how the two work, I guess, um, when the, the two albums, uh, the three albums I've recorded, I've done all my tracking with... Together? Yeah, together. I do all my tracking at the same time because when I was... Uh, the last album I did, The Darkness and the Light, excuse me, the last, um, uh, the second album I went into the studio to do, I had a producer named Mike Gentry, really good guy, and um, he and David Roof, David Roof had, owns the studio and is the engineer, and he just produced my last one, um, but um, he listened to me, you know, start, they, they were just getting to the process where we, they were going to decide how we're going to record this. Mm -hmm. We're going to mic the guitar and play the guitar, and then you'll sing later, right? So I start playing, and I played it a couple times, and uh, Mike came in, and he goes, you know, he goes, 
I've watched you play that song a number of times. And he said, when you play it and you're not singing it, you play it differently than when you're playing and singing. You, there's, there's an organic thing that happens, mm-hmm. and that we went with it. Well, and, and I can understand that a little bit. Because I ha- I have recorded a few times and I've recorded both ways where they yeah. did the drum track independently and then even though we were in separate rooms we were playing together and there's some about the emotional connection when it's all together because yeah. when I played uh, alone it was like I was so concentrated on time and hitting everything correctly yep. and making it sound clean but when we play together it might be a little more dirty but it sounded right yeah yeah and that's exactly it you know. Uh, um, I was uh, I like to listen to uh, Rob Reinhardt's Acoustic Cafe. He does some great interviews, and he was interviewing um, this guy John Smith, who's a British uh, singer songwriter, and he had done this whole album where he he had he did his parts in London, and other artists just did their parts over here in the U.S. and sent it to him. Mm-hmm. But he was he was talking about his own recording. And he recorded much like I did. And his feeling was that, you know, I'm going to record it. And if there's flaws, if there, you know, I'm, I'm doing three takes. And if I don't have it by three takes, then there's something, then maybe there's something mm-hmm. I'm doing wrong. But um, he said, you know, he lives with the flaws because it's, it's that moment. Yep. It's that moment. You can't if you if you just want to make a perfect recording, then yeah, separate everything. But if what you want to do is record the song at this moment in time, the way you're feeling, the way you put it out there, then do that. And you know what? If in ten years you want to re record it, do it. You well, know? some of the greatest records of all time, I mean, arguably, you know, even if you go into like Guns N' Roses, Appetite for Destruction, yeah. the timing is brutal. Uh, by Steven yeah. Adler. But nobody knows it unless you sit down and play it because that's what works for the song. Yeah. Even some of the uh, Nirvana stuff that's classic, the time signature shifts a little bit between, you know, like it, it speeds up a little bit, but you don't know it if you're just listening to it. But yeah. if you put a metronome next to it, but that's what works for the song. Yeah. And it, yeah. It, nobody knows. Nobody yeah, knows. Exactly. Maybe, maybe you know. <laughs> I don't know if I know. You know, it, it, it's funny because I. You know, I, I'm, I'm not a metronome person, and I'm, you know, that's just me. That's just me. Uh, I kind of resist those things, I guess, and mm-hmm. you know, maybe I shouldn't, but I do. <laughs> I guess it just depends on the situation, you yeah, know. Yeah. I tried playing with a metronome once, and it just screwed yeah. me all up. Um, in 2018, uh, your first album comes out. Yeah. Correct. Yep. Uh, and it was called We Wonder. Yep. It was nominated for a few Met, uh, Motor City Music Awards. Yeah. How was that experience? That had to be a, a, a giant pat on the back to say, it was hey, nice. that was all right. It was nice. You know, it, it was. I mean, it, it was uh, It was a good recognition. I was really proud of that record. We made that on such a shoestring. I mean, uh, I had a buddy in Chicago. We had a studio. He met we. We were talking at a party, and he said, you know, you should really record. And he says, you know, I got this these rooms over here. He goes, I can arrange it. And we went in for half a day and did five songs. 
myself and Lucy Little, who's a violinist from Chicago, and we did we recorded five songs there, and then the other four we did four more back here in Detroit at at um, Music Town. Mm-hmm. Brian Anderson, you could apply, and you know you you just had to apply, and they they would give you free time. And Ryan then uh, did the mastering for me. I didn't know much back then. I, you know, probably a good idea that I didn't, you know, I wouldn't have put it out. But it was, uh, it was a good experience and a good way to get my fat foot wet, dip my toe in it. But I learned how when I did the second record. That's when I knew how little I, you know, because I I made the record. And I thought, okay, I did a CD release show. Okay, okay, so what's next? You know, and then yep. you, when, when I did The Darkness and the Light, you know, sitting down with Mike Gentry and then being part of the Folk Alliance and taking some online tutorials about how to really release an album and what to do and all the, all the, you know, the pieces that go with it and the, you know, my son is a great filmmaker in New York, and I had the pleasure of having him create four videos for my last album. Oh, cool. And that really helped. And, you know, just all those different levels that we wonder was a, you know, a good beginning step. And I, I will tell you the other recognition that I was really proud of is that uh, Phil Mack is a, a DJ at WHFR, um, FM uh, here in Dearborn, and he named that as his the best uh, folk album of 2019. That that was like a nice a nice thing. Oh, it's awesome! Awesome to get some peer, uh, you know, a, a little bit from the yeah. your peers and whatnot, yeah. and and you know, in and around Detroit, how is the folk scene? You know, because you're you're good. coming into a very busy time. I was looking yeah. at your schedule, and you're going to be playing. You know what? It is. I think it's a really good. I think Michigan, uh, you know, Detroit is strong. Grand Rapids area is strong. The Chelsea, Dexter, Ann Arbor area, super strong. Traverse City area, the Upper Peninsula. There are so many phenomenal um, songwriters and and singer-songwriters, artists working in this state. It is unbelievable. It really is. I mean, I'm part of... I'm on part of a couple different songwriting groups where there are people from all over and, and um, you know, one of them we submit a song a month at, at the end of the month and then everybody, you know, makes, kind of gives you critiques and comments. And then I'm part of another one that's on Zoom every week where you, you bring a song and you play it and then people kind of give you their two cents and... You know, you can take that, that or leave it, but I, I've, I've really taken to, you know, at least examine every part of what people bump on or whatever. And it's great R and D. You know, yeah. it's great R and D. If you have an idea and you're like, I think this might work, you have a community that will yeah. say, you know, it might work, but why don't you try to take it this way or do a little bit of this or, I don't know but, if that's really your style, yeah. Mike. But you know, the, the, for me, the beginnings of it. Like right out of when I retired and around 2016, we moved downtown and I met 
uh, a number of people. I met Dave Tanyas, who runs the uh, Ghost Light Open Mic, and as uh, at that time I met him, he was running the open mic at the Park Bar, and he's a young guy, tremendous songwriter, full of energy, and a great songwriter, and just he and I just hit it off. We began doing shows together, and we still do. We're doing a show Friday night in Port Huron tomorrow night. Oh, cool. Uh, it's the first one we've done in quite a while. But um, And from him, I met so many others, Audra Kubat and Emily Rose. Uh, and, um, and then there's a whole group uh, like Mike Galbraith and Ryan Dillahay, John Freeman, you know, who's part of the Irish community, and I'm I play Irish, so I play at the Gaelic League too, and and then there's a, a group in out of River Rouge, Allison Lewis and um, Don Dupree, uh, you know Matt Demets. It's just like this enormous group, and one of the things we did, my wife and I, is we we hosted open mics for about three years three to four years, and that that allowed us to get to know so many of these. Right. You know, you got to see them on a weekly basis, and if you had a good, a well-curated open mic, that's that's where artists wanted to go, and that we learned pretty quickly. You know, if you make it friendly and you make it, you know, you, you give artists a comfort place, an acceptable place, um, then they'll they'll come back week after week, mm-hmm. and uh, it, it was it was a great experience. Um, I don't know if you know AJ Nichols. <clears throat> I don't know that name. So AJ used to own uh, um, uh, Ash Coffee in downtown Detroit? Detroit. Downtown Detroit. There were there were when he opened his second location. So he had a small location in um, on Broadway. Mm-hmm. Right, right by the uh, Broadway, uh, by the um, Detroit Brewing Company, mm-hmm. uh, right there by Buddies. He had one location there. He was opening a second one next to the Atwater Brewery in Rivertown. And at that time, my wife and I had actually been looking because we used to ride our bikes all around, and that, and we had looked at that space and we thought, man, this would be a great space for music. And so when I met, when we met AJ, we said, hey, have you ever thought about doing this? And he said, no, you want to do it? And so <laughs> we had never done it before. We just, we bought a PA and we said, all right, we're showing up Thursday. And we did it every other week. And we did that there for two years. And then uh, that that location just didn't have enough walk-up. Yeah, it's, it's, an, it's a great space when you drive there, where yeah. Atwater is yep. and what, but yep. not a lot of foot traffic no. coming down that so way. So he couldn't, he couldn't make a go, and um, so he ended up closing it. And then, so we did, oh, about a year we, we did at the other location, but it didn't, it was, it was a tougher location to do it at. For parking, people always had to pay to park. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it was tougher, you know, to, to get people to come to it. On a regular basis, because you know a ten dollar parking fee or whatever, right. you know, was it was steep, and um, and then we had one for a while at the velodrome <laughs> on, on Sunday afternoons. That was a really good one, um, but we haven't we haven't gone back to it since the pandemic. We we 
we, my wife and I, we just haven't, um, part of it is we've both been busy. She joined the board of the Trinity House Theater, and so that takes up a lot of her time, and I got busier with um, uh, United Cerebral Palsy and a couple other things. Well, and what, you know, about the open mic and, and just hearing you talk about the different people you've gotten to come in contact with, yeah. the different like-minded individuals, there there's magic there. I believe in common consciousness, you know, and, and through history, they talk about mastermind groups and the yep. crazy things. And I think with creativity, it's even on a whole nother level, I think, when you get creative minds who have a, a common goal or yeah. similar goals, then you come out of that experience with, you know, new songs, new lyrics, new ideas, and you don't even know where they came from half right. the time, you know? Right. It's such a magic, magic experience. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, the, the it, I, I wouldn't trade that experience for anything, and... Uh, and may well go back to doing something like that at some point, uh, running an open mic, because we really enjoyed it. Yeah. We enjoyed, for one thing, you're not, you know, you know where you are every once a week. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's a little bit, you know, it's a, it's a more regular thing that you're doing. But, you know, it's, a, it's, it's fun to then get to see your buddies every week. Yeah. And, you know, that's, that's, a good, that's a good part of it. I, you know, I... I I've played hockey my whole life um, since I was four. And, you know, for me, you know, hockey was like that where I get to see my buds every week and have a beer after and just, you know, sit in the locker room and or sit outside and, you know, in the parking lot and have a beer and, you know, really talk about nothing. But, you know, you're just you're just there. Well, the camaraderie, I think it gets <clears throat> discounted. It's, you know, hockey for me, skateboarding. Even if I, I don't feel like riding, still going to the park and hanging out with my friends and talking yep. smack and just cheering them on or whatever. And with hockey, I, I play dropping on Monday nights still. And it, it, the age range is from 25 to 65. But we're all having fun. The camaraderie yep. gets discounted, I think. And I yeah. think that's what you're hitting on a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Yeah, it is, and ours is like that too. Our, I, I, uh, I ran it for about thirty years. The and I will, when uh, coming out of the pandemic, I was not going to be skating for a while, and so I, when uh, our group, I said, look, I said, I've run it. I have. I've had my time. Mm-hmm. I said, I'm. I would love to still show up and play. I don't want to chase down goalies, and I don't want to chase down guys right. every every Monday night. And uh, and I said, so if somebody else wants to take up the mantle, I'm good. And sure enough, two of the young guys took it up, and they're running it, and it's like, oh, that's off of my plate. Because re- we used to go through the summer. I will never do that again. Mm-hmm. Because to try and find goalies in the summer. I remember, you know, we're, we're, we're stepping on the ice and it's 10 to 10 and I'm, I'm texting goalies, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like, ugh. I love or, skating out, but I still keep my goalie. I still will get you goal, your goal, yeah. you know, and, and you you're never exactly know. right. Yeah. You're exactly right. And, and it sounds similar to what, what happened with us because the Monday night skate has been going on for years. And after uh, the pandemic, a couple of uh, younger guys sort of took the helm, uh, took it over. 
Yeah. And and they're they're responsible for the goalies and for the money. <laughs> and I like being able to just show up and pay my fifteen bucks. Exactly. Or if I have my goalie gear, not pay anything, and everybody's happy I showed up. You know. <laughs> but uh, let's see. Um, you know, before we get too much further, would you mind playing a song? Sure. Let's see sure. if we can figure out. Okay. The only thing I'm concerned with is that mic. Is that mi- is this the to, vocal mic? Yes. Oh, being okay. able to get that to where we need it to. You know what we might be able to you do know is what? just move the whole table. There you go. Yeah. This in your hand. Yep. Just set this up where you need it. Or if if you want to turn this this way, the guitar gives out a lot of... Oh, that is good. There you go. Does that spin? Oh, it does. It does. Looks like it does. Yeah. So I go to some workshops throughout the last few years, too, and uh, one of them is up in... uh, Harbor, Harbor Springs, and uh, the guy's name is John Lamb, and he gives these uh, really crazy, like, like paragraph-long prompts that you write a song about, and uh, this is from one of them, and it's a, it's a song about Michigan, but it's written from the standpoint of uh, that place that you kind of go to to escape, but it's written... From, from that place's standpoint. I could use a little color Can't always stand up straight My dilapidated charm Rusted latches on my gate I'm where the pavement ends On the coldest lake in Michigan I'm where I've always been, where I'll always wait. Up here you're off the grid, little off the rails. Off to the dock with one of those India pale ales. No shaving and no showers, staring at the stars for hours. I'm the times of your life, every breath you exhale. I am here for you, waiting patiently, though my fire has gone out and my edge is rough to touch, I'm a part of you, you of me, why can't that be enough, why can't that be enough? Once you fell into the marsh In your Sunday best Later wandered in the woods alone Scared me half to death The time you almost burned me down Leaving embers lying on the ground I am your silence and your secrets Always to be kept As hard-headed as the hardwood floors Never wipe your shoes 
Backwards and barefoot life is the one you often choose To say that it's roughing it, well, that doesn't quite cover it I'm a test of your survival, watching your every move I am here for you, waiting patiently Though my fire has gone out and my edge is rough to touch I'm a part of you, you of me. Why can't that be enough? Why can't that be enough? See, you're building character while my walls are falling down. You drive up every weekend, then you turn right back around. Leaves me feeling empty, and it leaves me feeling old. Don't forget to blow my pipes out before it gets too cold. Well, I hear you plan to knock me down, put a new one in my place. All the comforts of your life so you don't feel so far away. You work so hard to get that prize. If only you would realize you really don't need all that much at the end of the day. I am here for you, waiting patiently, though my fire has gone out and my edge is rough to touch. I'm a part of you, you of me. Why can't that Why can't that be enough? Why can't that be enough? So does, when you're writing, does this, the melody come first or the lyrics? Um, it, it, it happens different all the time. Uh... With a song like that, I started with lyrics, and then, uh, you know, just start, once I have a, kind of a, a start of a verse or something, I might start playing something, and then that might change the cadence or whatever, and then there's times where I have a melody, I have a melody, and I'm like, I just keep singing it, I just, I keep playing it and singing it until, like, Maybe I get a, all the way through a verse in my head, and then I'll stop and write it down, and then I can then I can kind of go back and forth. But I've done it both ways, um, and um, you know, I there have been times where I will actually um, have an entire piece of music, which doesn't happen very often, where I where I actually had a uh, a structure kind of piece of music that I that I was playing with for a long time, and I never put lyrics to it. And then um, I found this poem that my mom had written. And we never, you know, when, we, when she died, we didn't really know that she had written this, these poems, and we found them on a floppy disk with her recipes, and we found these poems. And one of them was called Sunny Morning, 
And it was just this super simple structure rhyming piece. And I took this piece of music and I started just playing, you know, humming the, or, you know, kind of singing along with it, her poem, and it worked great. And that'll be on my next, that the next album. Cool. Because when I, w when I went in to record this last time, I actually recorded 21 songs. I finished 21 songs, but there's 12 that are going to be released uh, in June. Coming up. Coming That's up. the, what, Darkness and Light? Is no, the Darkness and the Light was, re was released in uh, 2021, okay. in January, and then the new one is called Particles to Pearls, and it's... Uh, It'll be released. Um, uh, I just sent the files. <laughs> just sent the artwork that my buddy Dave Conyers did. And so the CDs are being made. And we're just going into the process of, of uh, starting to send out advanced um, uh, uh, work right now. We're sending the files out you know, to some people in advance cool. uh, so that they can review and they can you know, kind of get a we're actually going to try and do some of that and maybe get a song in from Gil or Playlist or whatever. Mm -hmm. So we're doing the evil side of this business. Yeah, but it's a necessary. We were talking about it before we came on the air. You know, the marketing side of things, uh, especially for the creative. You know, that's not the way we're wired. You know, we want to produce. And when we produce something awesome, we figure... It's going to stand on its own, but unfortunately, in, in these times, no yeah. you know, with, with the multitude of things that just bomb everybody on the internet and everything else, to stand out, you actually have to put a little effort into that part, too. Yeah, and, it, you know, the, I think I read that something like, you know, 100,000 songs a day are uploaded on Spotify. Oh, my. It's just like an insane number yeah. of, of new, new pieces being generated. You know, it's like, I don't want to get overwhelmed by that, though. I just, what I'm, what I'm uh, hoping I can do with this is uh, expand where I play, play and in areas that are, you know, uh, more listening room, more, uh, I guess, quiet spaces uh, versus... Uh, you know, I'm not I'm not a rock and roller. I'm not I don't pretend to be. I have some songs that are a little more have a little more push to them on this record, but I'm definitely not a band person and so you know, when you're a soloist you gotta kinda figure out where the be where the best place is for mm -hmm. for you to find and then also to find your audience. Right. You know, my audience isn't isn't, you know, love and touch. It's not you know, it's smalls. That isn't that isn't your cup no, of tea. No, but, but you know, Ghostlight or or PJ's Loggerhouse. I'm doing a show there. Um, you know, places like that. And then the Trinity House. We're doing. We're actually going to do my CD release at the Trinity House Theater, which is a really cool little you know space in in Livonia, um, and um, that's going to be exciting. Mm-hmm. We might have to readjust that mic closer to you a little bit just because we moved it when you were oh singing. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, do you have a uh, favorite guitarist? 
Oh, man. I have to say, I smiled when, when I saw John Prine as one of your influences. One of my favorite songs of all time is Hello in There. Oh, I and love that, that, song. that got me into uh, investigating John Prine. And that guy, I, hit lyrically, there's nobody just, better. Oh, so good. Because he can make you laugh and cry in the same song. Yes, yes. You know, Hello in There is, you know, that's a heart wrenching song. See Sam Stone. Yeah, it's Sam awesome. Stone. But then, you know, you got, you've got Flag Decal on the same record. Uh-huh. And then, you know, you've got Please Don't Bury Me. And then you, his last album, he was 71. And it, it, Tree of Forgiveness, regardless of when he produced it, it's, it's a classic album. I mean, and, you know, and then he, he had an unpublished song that was recorded in a hotel room that they, that they released a, after he died. I, love I it. remember everything which is one of the most touching songs he's ever written. You know, I just, I love John Prine. I lo- I, there's guys that I really, I love, like Steve Earle. I think Lyle Lovett is like an incredible songwriter and an incredible guitarist. Um, you know, most of the guys that, you know, like as far as just guitar playing, like Molly Tuttle, uh, who's a bluegrass player, is just phenomenal Billy Strings, guys like that. Um, but as far as, like, like uh, for me, growing up, I was really influenced by Paul Simon, and I still think Paul Simon wrote some of the greatest, you know, little guitar riffs, you know, and and just, I mean, that dude could, he could flat out play. And musically, he was on a different level. Like, what he was creating was a complete, Completely different yep. level, and that's yep. why I think he stood out so much because yeah. he was doing different things, and the the it hit such a wide demographic. Yeah, and then you know he he, he leaves Simon and Garfunkel, and then he does you know he does album after album after album, and then and then he's and then he's kind of quiet for a while, and then all of a sudden Graceland comes, right? And it's like what? I mean, that album is just. And everybody had to dive back in. Who got yeah. into Graceland here? Yeah. They had to go yeah. backwards. They had to know? go backwards. And that's a great thing, too, is that, you know, you get a guy, you get people like that who have that that, that catalog, and you go, yeah, you, you might have been introduced to him here, but go back and listen to him there. You know, it's like people people who hear Rod Stewart now, you know, the crooner, right. I tell them, go back and listen to Jeff Back Truth. Go back and listen to to the work he was doing then. Go back and listen to the faces, you know. It's yes. like some some quality quality material, you know. And I personally love that when I oh. when I run into somebody who's been around already for a while, and I have all this new music that I get to go backwards and investigate, yeah. Yeah. you know. And 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 then you see their evolution and where they're at today, and and it's pretty cool. I I remember my introduction to Bruce Springsteen was Born to Run. And I was completely unaware of of the the previous albums, you know, the E Street Shuffle and Asbury Park, and and that was fun yeah. back then. Now, you know, you get people now they get to go way back. David Bowie, you know, I grew up. I that one I kind of grew up with, mm. you know, the man who sold the world, and I mean that to me, Mick Ronson, is a guitar player, uh, having seen him live several times. Uh, might have been my favorite, uh, you know, like just flat out guitar player that I've ever uh, seen. I just and, and another guy is a Michigander, 
uh, was some um, from the frost. Um, oh, geez. I'm going to forget his name now. Oh, man, it's Hunter. Um, well, you bring up the guitars from uh, David Bowie. Mm -hmm. um, and so many great musicians get overlooked because the front man or, or the band as a whole is so yeah. powerful. Yeah. And um, I see that a lot. Yeah. especially in some of the amazing bands with the crazy arena shows and nobody pays yeah. attention to the bass player, the guitarist, or even the drummer. Yeah. And they are so talented to get yeah. to that level yeah. and, and to, to be that solid backing, backing uh, yeah. symphony for what they're doing. Yeah, I mean, you know, I remember the bands, you know, going to see like uh, Jethro Tull. And, you know, when I went to see those bands, it was like, man... Yeah, Ian Anderson was the front man, but what a band. Yeah. Billy Joel, another one. Yeah. What a band. Even this, Madonna. He, like, yeah, Madonna. Yeah. And, like, and, but, you know, and every player in that band, you know, those bands were great. Tom yeah. Petty's band. You know, it's like, uh, you, you name it. Yeah. They had to be rock solid to stay in those bands, to be part of those bands. I love it. I love it. Well, we're going to shift a little gears okay. here. Okay, all right. Because I really want I want to talk about uh, Michigan UCP. Mm -hmm. I want to get into that because you've been on the board for 28 years. Yeah. Nearly 28 yeah. years. What got you started? What got you involved? So um, uh, my wife's first cousin, his name is Elmer Tirana, and Elmer was the executive director for, at that time, what was called the United Cerebral Palsy of Detroit. And there were there were a number of United Cerebral Palsy affiliates in the state at that time. There were there was Lansing, there was Detroit, I think there was maybe Jackson and one other. Um, but he was Metropolitan Detroit, and um, he called me one day and he he knew that I worked at Donor. And he said, you know, this is back in you know the the, the late eighties, and he said we're we need to do a uh, public service announcement. Now, back in those days, every TV station, as a matter of um, the broadcast rules, had to devote a certain percentage of their airtime to public service announcements. And so ad agencies very frequently like to do those because you could stretch your creativity very often. You could pull some emotional strings that you couldn't maybe for a client, you know, like a Ali <coughs> Fretter or a Highland Appliance, and you might win an award, and you might do some good for the organization. So, you know, he called me and he said, we need a PSA, Would you could you get one done through donor? And so I asked our, you know, the leadership, and they said, yeah, we'll do it. We won't take it as a client, but we'll devote resources to getting a commercial done for them. And so... Um, uh, one of my teams, Ann Gahagan and um, Tony um, Gadan, had this idea of a um, a wheelchair in a in a you know kind of in a studio with walls, jail walls, cells being built around it. The notion that you know when you're in that chair, you're confined. Quite an impactful and, image it is. And uh, Dan Hackett, who was a creative director at Donor, he was. He he was uh, had aspirations to be a director and filmmaker, so he he said, "I'll put a crew together. We'll do it. It'll be 
you know, it'll be a spec commercial for me, and and it'll be really a powerful thing. And it did. It ended up being really powerful. And the, the board really liked it, so they said, would you come on to the marketing committee? So I joined the marketing committee, and a year later they said, well, we'd, what we'd really like to do is maybe have something that's more of a, a branding statement. And so at that time I was working with a writer named Lou Chavone, and we came up with an idea of turning obstacles into opportunities. And the idea was that every, every day... You know, an individual, a person with a disability, they want to do the same thing as you. They want to they get up. They want to either go to work. They want to, you know, make breakfast. They want to go to the store. They want to go to the gym. They don't really, this isn't like a, um, they, they don't really want your pity and they don't want your, mm -hmm. uh, uh, they just want the right to be able to do that. And get treated like everybody else. Yeah. And, and so that was the basic idea. We, we filmed individuals with disabilities going about their everyday lives. And whether it was at the gym, at the grocery store, a cheerleader, uh, you know. And, you know, they, as we said in the, in the copy, was, you know, these are they're, they're ordinary people doing the most extraordinary things. Yeah. And, but they don't really want... You know, they just want the chance to get up and do it again tomorrow. Mm -hmm. um, and it was a really powerful statement. And we ended up producing this commercial. Uh, we had just done this big job with Chiquita Bananas. And the director who worked on that, we showed him the idea. He was from Pittsburgh uh, and then had moved to L.A. And he, saw, he loved the idea. And he said, I will pay to bring all my gear. I will... I'll if you get, if you can get the film paid for, because in those days you're shooting on film, right? So you had film stock and you had processing. Everything else we could get donated. So we got a grant and we got all that covered by a sponsor, and they came in and they shot for four days. Uh, scouted for another four days before that, and uh, shot this. We edited it. It won a silver at Cannes uh, Film Festival. But more than that, it ran, we made it available to other markets so that they could tag it mm -hmm. with their affiliate. And it ran in 123 different uh, markets wow. and countries. Uh, and um, it was really successful. And um, they used that for a good 10 years. And, um, and then just you know, in the last couple of years, we've rebranded the organization because we merged into one state organization. So UCP Detroit and UCP Michigan merged to become Michigan United Cerebral Palsy. And that's why your email changed about yep. a year ago or yep. whenever that went yep. down? Yeah. And um, we also developed a tagline, which is... Um, Let's close the disability divide. Right. Yep. And um, we think that that's a really good rallying cry to tell people all the ways we, as an organization, all the ways we do it with assistive technology, with advocacy, with financial help, all these different ways that we, we're helping 
but then every day out there in the world, we need we need the public to also do that. We need the, the government to do that. We need corporations to do that. Mm-hmm. It doesn't, you know, it's a, there's still the, the employment numbers, the education numbers are, are staggering when you, when you start to look at them in terms of still how, uh, you know, where we need to go in terms of getting uh, equitable treatment for people with disabilities. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a, um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a tough battle. I've worked on um, PSAs for the Detroit Zoo, the Michigan Humane Society, uh, the Morris Animal Foundation, and, and I will tell you a really sad truth that it's easier to raise money sometimes for, for puppies and cats than it is uh, for people with disabilities or for people who are homeless. That is a sad truth. It is. That definitely is. You know, uh, what you say is um, resonating with me because one of the most influential people in my skateboard life, he owned the first ramp I ever skated. Uh, he also, he's six foot five, always positive, always a great dude. I mean, he grew a mohawk and then he took donations to shave it off for charity at the, you know, the Wyandotte Art Fair and stuff like that. And he raced hydroplanes. And he was paralyzed from the waist down. And um, we reconnected in the last few years. And he's still the same fired up dude. Like the Get Her Done Foundation came and put an ho- uh, elevator in his house. He's still working at BASF, although he had to shift because he was a chemical engineer. Still smiling, punk rock, positive, and doing his thing. But his, uh, his, his work, you know, helped you know, helped him move forward and, and yeah. different things, you know, organizations helped him move forward. Um, but what you said, the reason I say it resonated with me because he just wants to be treated like everybody else. You know, he shows up in his car and he has a car where the seat turns and he can put his wheelchair yep. behind him and he's still driving. And um, and it's just, I'm, I'm so happy that he is that same smiling dude, but it isn't the case for, for many. No, no, and you, you realize that, that, you know, for every, you know, guy like that, and, you know, you met Mark uh, Henretta at, at our event. Yeah, You know, Mark. great guy, always going after it as well. You know, for, for each, and, and, and Mark's not without, you know, he's had to have surgeries on his hands. He's had, he's had issues because of the amount that he's, he has to lift himself. And, and, you know, you don't, we don't think about those things. We don't think about those little, you know, those obstacles, mm-hmm. you know, and they are obstacles, and you know, they 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 are they meet them every day, hurdle past them, and then there's somebody else that throws another obstacle at yeah. them, you know, and it, and it's like that's what they don't need, yeah. you know, they 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 need the the um, I'm a little concerned about. The state uh, insurance change uh, is is really going to negatively impact individuals who were disabled in accidents, and we've already seen it with Vladdy. Yep. Uh, and one of my friends works for Special <coughs> Tree, so I'm very aware of what you're talking about. Yep. How they took away took away in Michigan, they took away the the long term catastrophic care, yep. 
and and it it really is going to affect people's lives, affect families, affect you know have a huge ripple effect. Yeah. But I don't think they actually looked at the long term of that. I know, I know. Yeah, but um, you know, uh, the amazing work you're doing, the hockey event we just did. Oh, uh, it was fun, a- and right? And the event, uh, how many years you been going? So now that was our twentieth event, and you've raised uh, the organization. Uh, about a half million. About a half a million in all in during that time period, yeah. And just seeing the kids smile and and even the fans in the stands and it was such a a, a day of positivity, and oh, I yeah. had a great time. It was like playing hockey in a kayak. That's yeah, basically yeah, the way I explain yeah. it to people. That's a good way to explain it. But uh, just right. seeing the smiles and having a good time and and then following the sled event. Um, seeing you know Joey Koser and, and, and McCarty on the ice having a great time. Jay Adams is on the ice and and just everybody I think really enjoyed themselves for yeah. for a, for a great cause. Yeah, and and the great thing is is that all the guys that were on the ice from our side, whether it was in a sled or whether they were playing on the Puckster team, that group raised over thirty thousand dollars themselves you know and some of it was carryover from 2020 but a lot of it was 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 going after donors again and and you know we'll start all over again next year and and we're gonna we're gonna you know we feel like we uh we kind of have it down now how to do this event and uh st mary's is a wonderful venue to do it in they've been really good to us out there I was totally impressed by the campus. That's the first time I'd ever been there. My son went to school there. Such a cool campus, yeah. and on yeah. the water there, yeah. it, it's yeah. just a great location. Yeah, it is. A it great is. location. Yeah. So, you know, you're retired, and uh, you're busy as you've ever been. <laughs> now, on, on your bio, it, it said adjunct professor. What is an adjunct professor, so, and what do you do? So, adjunct professors, uh, it, it's a... Um, it generally, uh, the way I understood it, it it's, it's your, your part-time, you come on board as somebody with professional experience teaching your, what, whatever your discipline was. So they have adjuncts in architecture, they have them in nursing, they have them in different areas. Um, I started as an adjunct, this is my seventh year at Lawrence Tech, and Lawrence Tech you know, a technological university specializing in architecture and, and um, engineering. But for the last 15 years, I think, they've had a pretty solid media and communications school. And uh, Jody Gaber is the, the chairman of that department. She, she used to work at one of the post houses and knew myself and Gail off and my, my partner. She's my writing partner when I was at donor, and we decided, when we were still there, we decided we would teach this one class. It was in the evening, and it was right across the street from donor. So it was pretty easy, except that we didn't realize you had to write the syllabus, design the class week right. to week. You got to, you got to be there. You got to make sure you know what you're doing in class, and then you have to grade everything and give your students their time. So we end up. We end up spending a lot of time, you know, on this, but it's a labor of love. This is our seventh uh, year that we've done it. And 
we've, we've had really great students, and we've had a lot of students go on to find jobs in the ad agencies or, uh, you know, similar ilk, and that's really fun to see. Yeah. Um, they have a really, really, Jody has an amazing high uh, level of um, placement for her students. I mean, just incredible. Well, and that's huge for the university. You know, they put that on there, yep, yep. and now all of a sudden, you know, that yeah. percentage goes up, and oh, more yeah. more people want to come yep. and be part of it. Yeah, and it's it, it's a it's a nice campus. I really have enjoyed the time there. And then um, three years ago, I before COVID, I did a uh, summer class for high school students entering college at CCS, mm-hmm. and I taught a, a, like kind of a boot camp. 90 course hours in three weeks. Oh, my. Yeah. And uh, and it's like... It's and CCS is no joke for, for our, our viewers. CCS is probably one of the, I'm going to say, top 10, top, in my lifetime, been top 10, top 20 art schools in the country. Yes. It's this little tiny <clears throat> campus right behind the Detroit Institute of Arts. And even when I was going to Wayne State, it was like, yeah. oh, CCS. Oh, yeah. you know, it's yep. legendary. Yeah. And so to do that is huge. Yeah, so I've really enjoyed that, and I'm finally going to do it again this summer. Oh, cool. So it's, it's nice because it's, uh, it, it's a different experience than, than it is out at the, at the, um, the university because the, the students we get at, at Lawrence Tech, they're not necessarily uh, they're not designers. They're not, you know, they're, they're very beginning. So it's like a real beginner's class for idea generation. We teach them how to look at a strategy, identify a main idea, then write commercials or write ads to go with it. Um, the CCS, CCS is the best of the best. Yeah, the CCS. <laughs> and that, now these are kids that are juniors or seniors in high school. Mm-hmm. So they're kids that have had some art and they've had different things, and they get to pick these different courses that they can take in the summer at CCS. And um, so they may not have had any advertising either, but some of them may have. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it's a little bit, it's, a, it's a, a deeper dive in a short amount of time. And I kind of like the boot camp aspect of it because you can really, you can challenge them. And, and you see them, when you challenge them, it's, it, they, they like rise. Yeah. It's, it's kind of cool. Is it at the CCS campus? It's at the um, the um, the one at uh, up by the Fisher Building. Oh, okay. They have they have where the Henry Ford Academy is. It's in the Taubman Building. Oh. Huh. So I was just thinking you could walk there from the Park Shelton. If yeah, it was I ride right my, I ride my bike to these classes though. It's, it's only a mile down yeah, the road or yeah, so. Yeah. But man, Mike, you know time flies. I know. When we're in the studio. We're I gonna know. have to do this again. Yeah. Uh, I want to thank you so much for coming in, hanging out with us, playing a song. We're going to close out the show with another song, if you sure. don't mind. Sure. Um, but please let our viewers know how they can keep up to date with you, where you're playing, all that kind of cool. stuff. What's the easiest way for them? So the easiest thing is I have a website, and it's psychosongs.com, P-S-Y-C-H-O songs.com. And on there, there's a tab for music, there's a tab for videos, there's a tab for shows. And that has everything on there that you would want. I mean, you can find me on, on you know, Instagram and Facebook under Psycho Mike or, or Psycho uh, Songs. 
uh, Mike Ward Psycho Songs. But really, the website's the best, the best place. Okay, so. and keep up to date on the social media side of things because as we do more with Michigan UCP, yes. you know, I I'm I'm throwing things out there where you can yep. donate, throw ten bucks, twenty bucks, whatever, and and help help. Uh, you know, yeah. let's lessen that gap. Let's do that, and with your help. Uh, we'll continue to make progress. With and that, that well. website is mi-ucp.org. And that there's some phenomenal stories um, that um, we, we filmed. And there's, if you want to know more about what the organization does, go to that website. And, and then at the end of it, make a donation. Yeah. There's a, there's a, a, a nice tab for... Donate. <laughs> well, Jay just sent me a video today. Actually, he sent it to me yesterday, and it was right when I got on the sled. And he was on the bench, you know, and he's like, Gerald, come here. Oh, and I'm going, I'm going over. That. He just sent it to me. Well, and I you was gotta like, send it to me. Okay, I'll send it over because I was like, how are you feeling? You know, and it was five minutes after I got on, and I had never been on one, you know, before. Oh, and it's a pretty cool video. But I want to thank you once again, Mike. I'm sure we'll have you back uh, cool. in the future. Thank you guys for watching the show. Um, it's, it's, it's awesome to be able to come here with you. I always talk about the goosebumps and you can see them. We're doing great things here in the better rate mortgage studios on the drop in with Mike. And, and that's what I encourage you to do. The goal is to be the best version of ourselves we possibly can be. So hopefully, hopefully you heard something here in the last hour that got you fired up to get off the couch and make life happen. And we're going to close out this episode of the drop in with another wonderful song by Mr. Mike Ward, um, and thank you guys. Cool. I'm going to spin this around here so we can get that. This is where the um, the the title comes from, uh, Particles to Pearls. This song is called Time. We learn to recognize To be where by when It can improve some wine Heal many wounds It can fly by so fast And be gone far too soon Pendulum swings ticking time Oh time Catches up sooner or later No rewind up it can wear us down if we knew where to look could there be more to be found carbon to diamonds particles to pearls seeds into sequoias astral dust into worlds Measures of life, unwritten histories 
The marching on a seconds and centuries The hourglass and sifting time Oh, time Catches up sooner or later Body and mind For it's a fit can wear us down If we knew where to look Could there be more to be found? Early to bed, early to rise, forging ahead, falling behind. Can we stop the clock, restart the ride, take back the stolen, and keep a little on our side? The sun chasing shadows across time, oh time. Catches up sooner or later to yours and mine. For it's up, it can wear us down. If we knew where to look, could there be more to be found? If we knew where to look, could there be more to be found? If we knew where to look, could there be more to be is Mike Ward, I'm Gerald Valley, and this is The Dropping. <laughs>